It's the perennial question of little kids. There's a Mother's Day and a Father's Day. How come there's no Kids' Day? And the answer mom gives is, every day is Kids' Day. That's right. And maybe that was true at one time, but I think things might have changed a bit. And with it, the way that people look at mothers. The very first sermon I preached as a pastor was on Mother's Day. And I don't recall what I preached on, but I know that I was acutely aware of the traditional tension of a Mother's Day message. On the one hand, it was a time to celebrate mothers, and and nobody doubted that motherhood was a great thing. People came prepared to honor mothers. But on the other hand, there were those who desperately wanted to be mothers, but couldn't have children or couldn't adopt. I remember one uh, faithful saint telling me on the week before Mother's Day, I'm going to be gone. I won't be here next week. Uh, but you'll see me again the week after. And I said, oh, where are you going? And she said, nowhere. But I was never able to have children. And all this talk of motherhood is just too painful for me to listen to. So I won't be there next week, but I'll be back. And I was tempted to tell her that while she wasn't a mother, she had a mother. And and in fact, Mother's Day was invented by a woman who had no children. When Anna Jarvis's own mother died, she conceived of Mother's Day as a way of honoring the sacrifices that, that mothers made for their children. And in May of 1908, she organized the very first official Mother's Day celebration at a Methodist church in Grafton, West Virginia. And it soon caught on, and and by 1914, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May officially as Mother's Day. Like I said, I was tempted to tell her that we all have mothers, so we all can celebrate. But I could see that that no amount of explaining could ease her pain of not being a mother herself. The Bible has many stories of people in her situation, people who longed for children but weren't able to have them. In 1 Samuel, Hannah is despondent because she has no children. She's even ridiculed for it, and her husband tries to, to comfort her with the lamest words of comfort uh, in the scriptures. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Now, the Bible doesn't give her reply to her husband. But I think she would beg to differ because in the very next sentence, She's there at church, pouring out her heart to God. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance to the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. 
He'll be yours for his entire life. And as a sign of that, he has been dedicated to the Lord. His hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she'd been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger. But I'm very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request that you've asked of him. And God did. God granted her request, and she had Samuel. And it's great news. Children are good news in the Bible. Abraham's wife, Sarah, she wanted a child so badly that she had her husband sleep with the maid, sort of an ancient uh, primitive surrogacy. And Rachel did the same thing. She was so envious of her sister's kids. Genesis 30 says this, When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who's kept you from having children? Then she said, Here's Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so she can bear children for me, and I too can build a family through her. Ancient surrogacy. When Rachel does finally have a family, or does have a child, she names him Joseph, which means roughly Lord, give me another one. Children were valued. Children were wanted. Women wanted to become mothers in the days of Hannah and Sarah and Rachel. And some even when I first became a pastor. So the verbal tightrope that I had to walk in those days was between celebrating motherhood and recognizing the pain of those who couldn't be mothers. But I think something has changed in recent years, not for everyone, but, but perhaps for our society. Mothers still have their day, but instead of just celebrating motherhood, it's become almost a day of sympathy. It seems that mothers are no longer, mother, being a mother is no longer something that, that people are envious of. In fact, maybe sometimes they get pitied. In the Minneapolis paper this last week, columnist Laura Yoon wrote, modern parenting often gets a rep for being joyless. And some of this is for good reason. Contrary to conventional wisdom, having children does not make you happier, according to the research. It can seem like a daily grind of fretting over the snack supply, collecting unmated miniature socks, and negotiating with a terrorist. Now, something has happened in our society that we now refer to children as terrorists who just make you less happy. I mean, I know it was said in jest, but, but imagine if we referred to other groups in our society as terrorists. Even on the mom's website, it seems like there's you read more blogs about the problems of motherhood than you do about the joys. 
and the blessings. There's sleepless nights and there's stress and depression and, and work problems and lack of free time for friends and spouse. and well, All those things are true. But you know, they always have been. They always have been. Even Jesus' mom went through them. Remember that time when they left Jesus behind in Jerusalem? It took them three days to find him. And when they find him, Mary screams at Jesus, how can you treat us this way? We've been worried sick. Worry, stress, problems have always been a part of motherhood. So what's different today? Why isn't motherhood celebrated like it once was? Or at least, why isn't it have as high a value as it once did? And why are people actually discouraged from being mothers? Well, I think motherhood isn't valued because children aren't valued, at least not the way they used to be. I'm not saying that we don't love our children or our grandchildren. I'm sure we do. But society no longer believes that children are the most precious thing that there is and that one of the highest callings we can have is to be a mother or a father. Quite frankly, a lot of people look at the, the sacrifice that children require and say they're not worth it. I read a research paper with the following headline. Children aren't worth very much. That's why we no longer make many. And, and it referenced the falling birth rate, not only in America and Europe, but soon for the entire world. Are you old enough to remember when we were being warned about the population explosion and how zero population growth is the only thing that could save our planet? Children were a problem. China mandated that you could have no more than one child. Soon we'd be overrun with children. But now countries are worried about the lack of children. In places as different as Japan and Russia and most of Europe, people are not having enough children to replace those who are dying. Even the entire world is predicted to start declining in population as soon as 2040. It's not very far away. And, and as at the latest, 2070. There are 8 billion people in the world right now, and by the end of the century, it's projected it'll be down to 6 billion. And why is that? Is it because people suddenly became concerned about overpopulation? Is it because dictatorships outlawed having children? No. It's that fewer and fewer people want children. And those who want them want fewer. They just aren't valued like they used to be. Or if they are valued, maybe they're valued for the wrong reasons, like for fetching us drinks. I don't know if you caught this, uh, but uh, two weeks ago, over in the Wisconsin legislature, there was uh, a discussion of a bill to allow children as young as 14 to serve alcohol at bars and restaurants. And the bill's sponsor said it was a simple solution to a, a workforce shortage plaguing the state's food and beverage industry. You know, what, what a wonderful way to make kids more worth it. We can just put them to work. You know, can't have those 14-year-olds sitting around just sponging off of mom and dad when they could be out there serving us burgers and beers. I mean, child labor. At least somebody thinks kids are important. But for what reason? 
do we value kids as being precious gifts of God or, or for what they do for us? And I think that that's not always a clear answer. Not even in my own life. I think back on, on the days when I was a football, basketball, soccer, baseball, tennis parent. The running around, the overnights, the early mornings, the late night practices, the fundraisers, the volunteering, and then also the piano lessons and the choir practices and scouts and 4-H. You know, those were wonderful times. Those were great times. Winning the state championship, going to Disney for nationals, bragging about Corey being the starting center fielder in his college baseball team. Did I say that? (laughs) See, I wonder how much of it was for them and how much of it really was for me. Having children is great, but, but is it for what we can get out of them? For the joy that we get? Or is it for the blessing of being able to give ourselves to them? And if your child will never win a state championship or play the piano or even learn to read, does that make them less valuable? I mentioned before how as a seminary student, I was a chaplain at a huge residential facility for mentally handicapped Every one of the 600 adults there had a mental age of six years old or less. And because of that, at least half of them had been abandoned by their family and society. They had no visitors except for the chaplains. The only people that they ever saw other than people paid to care for them was a visit from a chaplain. But we did visit because they were precious children of God. Even that one, that one man who as a child was found chained to a doghouse in the backyard like an animal. But he was loved. He was loved by his chaplains because he was loved by God. Hannah, Sarah, Rachel, they all prayed to be mothers. But I don't think our country values motherhood as much these days because people don't value children as much these days. No, it's not everybody. You know, at the next service, Pastor Sam Childers, otherwise known as Machine Gun Preacher, he's going to, he's going to be sharing his story. And, and if you already have plans and don't want to stay for that, you can come back at 6.30 tonight because he'll be speaking again. He is someone who values children. Otherwise, he wouldn't have risked his life time and time again to save them. And he wouldn't have dedicated his life to helping them even now to have happy, fulfilling, and productive lives over in Africa. Pastor Sam still values children. And Resurrection Church still values children. I mean, if you think about Everything that we do at Resurrection here, so much of it relates to children. We take a big mission offering on Easter, thousands of dollars raised. What does it go to? Zoe empowers in Africa for orphans there. And that work 
to our own young people with scholarships for the youth group, for Hastings Family Service that feeds and cares for so many children. And then, and then we have our ministries here. We have our, our res youth and all the, the ministries that they're part of. From AP and Isaiah and Daniela and Nathan and, and Marcia and Janet and John who are here at Oasis on Wednesday nights and all of you who volunteer to help feed those young people every Wednesday. And there's what will go on in the very next service and, and that's our res kids, our Sunday school program and all the volunteers there and Vacation Bible School and and Nicole Cummings and, and her MOPS group, Mothers of Preschoolers. And, and we host five different Girl Scout troops here. And the high school swim booster club. And, and half of the ninth grade class was in this very room just a few weeks ago for their respect retreat. And we hosted them. There's camp scholarships and there's Bounty Waters trips and, and even the the, the bake sale that the, the United Women in Faith held uh, last week goes towards missions with women and children. So much of what we do here at Res, we do for kids. And we don't do it to replace mom and dads, but to be one more positive influence in children's lives, one more touch from God because they matter, because they are valued, and not just by us, but by the one who matters most of all by Jesus our Lord. Remember what he said when the disciples tried to chase the kids off? It's in Mark 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus blessed the kids because they matter. They aren't just drags on our time and money. They're precious to God. And because children are precious, so are mothers. For without mothers, there are no children. And so we celebrate mom today. And everyone who invests their lives in children, like you do here at Resurrection. And as a token of our appreciation, um, we have a cookie, a very special cookie that is for everyone. And it'll be there on the counter after the service. And I know this isn't much compared to what you do. Just like Mother's Day isn't much compared to what mothers do, right? But these are just really a token, just a sign, a way to say thank you, moms. Thank you, all of you who value children in your own homes and in this church and in our community and across the world, even as far away as Africa. Thank you for the sacrifices you make because children are important, ultimately important, for to such belong the kingdom of heaven. So let's pray for mothers and fathers and all those 
who know that children are worth it. Well, as Craig sang a little bit ago, thank God for kids. We know that, that they require sacrifice. It is not easy to be a mother or a father or a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher. It's not easy being one of those who are trying to, to feed the hungry children in our community or to save the threatened children in Africa. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's worth it because they are your precious children. And you said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For it's just such belongs the kingdom of heaven. So we pray for the moms and the dads and the caregivers and, and everyone who is making a difference in the lives of a child. We pray that you might lift them up, that they might find joy in that task. They don't do it for the joy. They don't do it for what they get out of it. But we do pray that you bless them with that and especially bless the children. And so on this Mother's Day, we also remember the children's. It's a kid's day, really. We ask your blessing upon them. 